0: Don Ennis. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb. And you're in the Transporter Room, Coronavirus Edition, Episode 8, are we? we, Is it it eight weeks now, Carly? I've lost track. I barely can keep track of the days of the week, never mind what week it is.
1: Yeah, it's week eight with no real end in sight. But if you're reading out sports, you realize that there is some baseball going on, even if it's simulated.
0: And also in Korea, too. Korean baseball is active. But, you know, I, I don't find that many sports could be simulated like baseball can. Baseball has enough gaps and pauses where I think simulation works. But could you imagine, like, doing a basketball game simulated? I just don't think you could keep up. Some I
1: some people have tried. I mean, there have been... I With the way, this, like, a lot of these video games are now, you... It's hard to, it's, you have to really look close to tell the difference between computer generated and reality. That's how much the computing power and the technology
0: is gone. Esports is now out of control. You remember, you're talking to the girl who still plays Pong and Miss Pac-Man and um, Space Invaders. That's really my speed. I'm not able to wrap my head around these modern video games with shoot ups and simulated baseball. It's, to me, that's sort of like eating fat-free cookies. If you're not going to eat the real thing, really, why bother? Uh,
1: well, we don't have access to the real thing right now. We're, we're in the middle of a cookie shortage. By the way, I created a Dawn Ennis for my simulated
0: New York Mets. Oh, my God. I'm on the team? Yeah, well, you're, you're going to be the biggest thing It's like... Marvelous Marf Domebury. <laughs> if she's anything like Dawn Ennis, the, the child baseball prodigy, um, she will mostly sit on the bench, she will be standing in the outfield, praying the ball isn't hit to her, and she will be uh, in left out, as in she is left out. I did not have a great uh, experience playing, ball. I love watching sports. I'm just not much of a participant. You know, um, I wanted to just make sure, as we record this on Tuesday night, I'm reading that the president has decided to shut down, at the end of May, the coronavirus task force. That's like FDR deciding on December 8th to stop involvement in World War II. Why would he end it as the pandemic is actually getting worse? You know what?
1: I have a a feeling that President Trump, if things keep going the way they're going, and he keeps making decisions he's making, will be saying this by the 4th of July. I will not seek, nor will I accept,
0: the nomination of the party for another term as your president. You're thinking that Lyndon Baines Johnson's ghost is going to inhabit President Trump. I'm sorry, there's not enough room inside President Trump for anyone else except for his huge ego. I, he will go. He will go to the fall election. He will lose, and he will then declare it invalid. That's my prediction.
1: I could, and I could see that happening.
0: But no, I'm just giving that
1: hypothetical because to me, it's the that's a bad decision in a litany of bad decisions. You're you right. Don't you don't. Get rid of the task force now. This is the time when you need it the most. At the yeah. time when you're talking about restarting everything and "quote unquote" opening up the country, this is the you need that task force more than ever. You need coordination now more than ever. I mean, right now you're 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 dealing with two different Americas. You've got an America that's blissfully ignorant and and have hairdressers open already, and, and you have. Yes, and tattoo parlors, and you have a common-sense America, i.e. states like like New York, California, to to a smaller extent, Connecticut, who made a a big decision here today. School is
0: out for summer. It is official. Well, they're still doing online learning, but they're just not going to return to the buildings. It was a crushing blow for my high school senior, Uh, A really big disappointment for my eighth grade student who is looking forward to seeing his friends one more time before they move on to high school. I mean, this class of 2020 really got the short end of the stick. I felt so terrible for them. I'm hoping the schools will make it up to them somehow with some kind of either virtual or maybe socially distanced ceremony. I held out hope that maybe they would find just maybe a couple of days at the end of the year that they could find a way to get the kids to go back to school just for a little bit.
1: Well, I, I agree. I think like a lot of things that got taken away, proms were taken away, that la- graduations look like yeah. they're going to be taken away. I mean, sports, class, yeah, and sports and, and high school sports taken away. I mean, it, I mean, that, that affects a lot of kid, a lot of kids, including a few kids that, a few kids that you and I care about. I mean, yeah, really two transgender athletes here in Connecticut. Yeah. They yeah. got, I mean, that, that definitely affects them and they're both seniors and, your heart goes out especially the senior class of 2020 because their their memories are going to be
0: they had they mailed me my diploma because we were in the middle of a pandemic yeah i wanted to see terry miller beat those uh students who were suing them for uh for for unfair competition i wanted to see her beat them one more time <laughs> well, oh I well just,
1: i just want to see them both compete as high schoolers happy it, Close out, close out the good memories and kind of purge some of the tough, me- the tough memories. But well,
0: I Maybe see they'll like like this. win in court. That'll be a much um, more important victory.
1: Well, I've, I'd like to see them win in court, but also I'd like to see them go on to college and do well. Let's because so. I think in the long term, because I also think in the long term, I think that's going to do even more if they go on to college. And at that point, it's not, a, it's not a debate anymore. The NCAA rules have been around since 2013. At that point, just,
0: hey, keep your mouth shut. Right. I could spill some tea here. I know that you are working on a story about Andre and Terry. Maybe you can tell our our uh, readers in OutSports where they're going to college. That would be a nice scoop.
1: Well, if that story comes out, it's in the planning stages. We can hey we'll see. But we're definitely I definitely like to catch up to them. If nothing else, if nothing else, just to also say thank you. Absolutely. Or for I mean, they pay as much as difficult as it's been for the both of them. They paved the way and every great journey starts with the trailblazer. And speaking of it, we got a trailblazer. We got a couple trailblazers on the show tonight. Ooh, wow. That's exciting. Tell me who we have as our guests. Our guests are a couple are one person who's wrote a definitive history on basketball and another who's on the court making some basketball history. Uh, Miss Ennis set the transporter beams for the great state of Maine. Set. Welcome, Julie Woodbury from Maine Senior Women's Basketball and Joanne Lannon, also from Maine Senior Women's Basketball. Thanks. Joanne
0: is the author of Finding a Way to Play. You are in the transporter room. We're so excited to have you both here. The History of Women's Basketball. Joanne, how long did you work on that book? It came out in 2015, is that right?
2: Yes, it did. And it's great to be here tonight with you guys. Um... It took me, well, backstory, I had actually written a book about the history of women's basketball back in 1990, and so when 2010 came around, I really thought it needed an update because, to be honest, my first book wasn't really all that inclusive. Um, It was for young adults, and I really kind of concentrated on um college NCAA and and the women's efforts to have pro leagues. And what I realized was I needed to include the experience of African-American women, Native American women, seniors like myself, of course, and also lesbians who are actually still in some places, you know, fighting for inclusion. Um, So I rewrote the, the parts that I wanted to you know, keep, but then I also did a lot of research and interviewing to make it more inclusive. And it came out in 2015.
0: How exciting! I'm definitely going to pick that up on Amazon.com. I love women's basketball. And I have to be honest, it's a new thing for me. I went to cover the Connecticut Sun in the 2019 2020 season, and I had never really watched any women's basketball. My entire experience of women's basketball, I'm embarrassed to admit this was from the movie Joanna Man. <laughs> A terrible movie in which an NBA player who is not able to play with men dresses in drag and decides to play in the women's league. Awful, awful, terrible movie. But I opened my eyes and I was just entranced to see these women pound the court. Let's talk to Julie. Julie, why are you involved in Maine Senior Women's Basketball? Julie Woodbury, welcome to the transporter room.
3: Well, hi, well, thanks for having me um, I'm involved with their group because I got invited. It was um kind of funny i had um had come out at work I work um as a courier at FedEx, and I was on a check ride with my manager and he was just asking me if I still play basketball and I'd worked at FedEx at that time for about nineteen years, and he had known that I had played in men's leagues and um so he was wondering, do you still play? And I told him, no, I don't play anymore. And he told me about this group. And um, a woman who, who worked at the time at FedEx, her partner, um, was on the team. So she kind of connected us and she was like, come, come give it a try. So I did.
1: Julie, you weren't just come off the court cold. You, you played college ball. You I play. Did. I mean, you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you you tore up a few rec leagues in Maine, I'm sure. And now, talk about some of the talk about some of the things you're doing in sport now. You're playing largely three on three, but you've right. but your team has done some great things nationally.
3: Our team has. We compete in regional tournaments with the goal of qualifying for the national senior games, which are held every two years. And the group that I'm with, Maine senior women's basketball. Um, has well now we have seven teams that um, that have competed and they have a really good history of, of a lot of success at the national level and so we just put a team together um, we practice we, we play um, two three times a week and we ended up qualifying and we win. It
1: took a lot of teams that had former division one players even a couple of of people who once upon right. once upon a time played and say things like W and the WBL right. or even the early days of the
3: WNBA and not only do you hold your own, you find ways to beat them. How do you do it? It was a shock. Like with the group that I play with, I'm definitely the tallest. I, I'm one of the biggest, and the person, the coordinator, she's like. Julie, you're going to be like a little girl when you go when you go to nationals, and she wasn't kidding. There are there are some women that are just so strong, so athletic, so tall. Um, but the difference between those teams that go are they're sort of manufactured. They'll they'll recruit players from out of state, um, different states, to try to put together a team that can win. But they don't play together year round like we do, and I think it really made a difference. You'd have women coming from out of states who, who you know, they're really good players and they find themselves sitting on the bench. You know, they paid money to get out to last um, summer was Albuquerque and they're sitting on the bench and they want to play. So there was discord um, and you could tell that it affected how things went. So um, that definitely helped us. And then the other thing is we're old. I mean, we're all over 50. And hey, wait you know, a minute.
0: Hey,
3: that's not old. <laughs> I'm 56. You're, me, you're saying we're old? I love to say that we're old and then we go kill somebody on the court. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, So that's the advantage that, that we have. Like a lot of times, you know, the level of play is really good. And, and we do play together quite a bit. We will bring in um, college players and top high school players from the area. And they'll scrimmage against us. And we'll generally hold our own pretty well. And it really boils down to um, chemistry. In our team, we have kind of a, a, a super advantage. Is I think we have one of the best point guards around. And as um, luck had it, um, this this woman is a, a childhood friend. A school, a, went to school with her from seventh grade on and always wished that I could have played on her teams. And she's such a spark plug of a player. And um, it was just amazing to to reconnect with her after all these years after transitioning and to, um, to resume our friendship in that way and have that kind of chemistry that we have on the court as if we've been playing together for years. So, um, so yeah, so we have some advantages that aren't quite apparent, you know, just looking at us, you know, cause you know, I'm, I'm just under six feet tall and we have another woman who's like five, eight, and then we have three women who are like five three or five two. And we'll play against teams that have, um, you know, two six foot tall women. There was one team that had a six foot six woman. Um, so it's it's challenging um, to to compete against that level, but um, we really play well together.
0: Julie, I think that's wonderful that you found your you found your tribe. You found your people. Um, I want to ask Joanna a question though. Do you see any um, inherent advantage in terms of Julie's former presentation as far as her original gender assigned at birth in terms of how she's playing? Do you see that as something that is going to, as our critics have often said, destroy women's sports? Are more people like Julie going to come out of the woodwork and start playing women's basketball and end opportunities for women? What do you think about those kind of claims?
2: Well, I mean, you know, it's an interesting issue. And I know being, I mean, Julie and I don't play on the same team, but we are teammates because we all, we get together on Wednesday nights, or at least we used to um, get together on Wednesday nights and Saturday mornings and play, basically play pickup. And sometimes I'm on Julie's team and sometimes I'm, I'm on the other team. And obviously Julie's advantage, I mean, I can box her out, but she'll still reach right over me and get the ball. Um, But any six-foot woman would be able to do that to me. Um, So I don't think her advantages. I think her advantages have to do with a, her height and her skill level, um, and and also her experience. You know, when you play against women who grew up playing with boys, you can tell they did, because it's just it's almost a different game that boys play when they're younger. And I think that, you know, Julie grew up playing that. And so like a Sue Bird or, you know, Diana Taurasi, she she just has those street smarts. She knows the game inside and out. I love it when she gives me compliments, by the way, because I know she really knows what she's talking about. So, you know, like she said, when they got to Nationals, um, you know, her skill level was matched by other people's skill level on the court. Um, they just play really well together. I mean, Julie could be on a team that that had no chemistry and she wouldn't be the difference maker that she is. You know, I mean, you got to work together in basketball and that's what she's really good at. And I don't think gender has a whole lot to do with that. I think it's, it's you know, personality, it's, it's chemistry. It's all of those things that go together.
1: Julie, with that in mind, Talk about last year, Albuquerque, National Senior Game, your team, homegrown, no mercenaries, and you played against a team from Tennessee that had two former Lady Vols on it for the championship. But along the way, there was a little bit of bump in the road. Talk about just your experience there, that bump in the road, and also how you overcame it and got to the finals.
3: Well, I knew going into Nationals that this is a very competitive tournament, and I know there are teams from all over the country with different feelings on transgender players, um, you know, depending on where you're from. And, and I knew it was just rolling the dice, whether or not, if if people knew that I was trans, um, whether or not it would go, go badly. You know, I really kind of envisioned it could go really badly and have um, people heckling. Um, My family was with, was with me, uh, my wife and uh, my two um, College age daughters, so I didn't want um, anything to them to have to witness anything, you know. Plus the players on my team, um, I didn't want them to have to um, to to deal with with the distraction. So um, before we went, we, we kind of got together with with the whole group, asking, you know, just basically kind of going over how i had hoped that um, we would handle it, and just that um, I didn't want to be outed as a as a trans woman. I didn't want anybody to lie. And we we had a couple strategies to sort of just dissuade people. But what happened is nobody really questioned my my gender while I was there. And different players have come up to me, they're all excited. They said, Julie, they they're not wondering about your about, about that at all. They're 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 wondering if maybe you're too young to play. <laughs> that was their no question about me and Kathy. they were really excited. Um unfortunately and I found out after we returned that um, one of the teams, and I won't say the state; it wasn't Tennessee, but um, one of the teams um, had beaten us um, during pool play. And pool play is just done to set up whether or not you're going to be a Division One team or a Division Two team. Um, there, there are a lot of teams from all over the country, and the, and the talent level varies. So they didn't want to stick, you know, a, a team um, in a tournament play with a, uh, with a team that would just overpower them. So anyway, this team had, had beaten us to put us into the losers bracket. Um, they had a former um, WNBA player and um, just a number of division one um, players. They were, they were, they're really good. And I had a God awful game and um, they beat us. Um, it wasn't just me. I think we all had a God awful game actually, but um we've had to fight through the, the drop-down bracket, and we did to come to meet that team again. And I found out afterwards that um, they had gone to our coordinator and uh, my coaches, and they said, if you all win, we're going to protest me, um, question my sex. And they did this before, they said, only if you, if you win, if you lose, I guess it's fair. If I lose, it's <laughs> I don't. Don, <laughs> and so. where have we heard that before?
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's
3: a very familiar refrain. Right. So, you know, what like happened? Say, what was the outcome? Well, what they did was, I mean, the coordinator was 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 horrified, and she felt so terrible. Um, she went quietly to to Georgiana and just asked her to get my. My IDs, because it, with the National Senior Games, there's no there's no hormone testing or, or any inv- invasive testing or anything like that to prove your sex. But if somebody does question your sex, your age, you need to um, to provide your your government issued ID to to prove that you're the age you say and the sex that you say. So Georgiana quietly snuck and got my ID, and um, gave it to um, the coordinator, and um, and they just waited and we won. I was oblivious to what was going on, and um, and then they protested. And I came to find out later that it was actually a federal judge from the state that wrote the protest. And I'm like, wow, that's just unbelievable. Probably but, um, a
0: Republican federal judge, if you don't mind me injecting politics into this.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, possibly. Well, anyway, the you know the rules are the rules, um, and. And that was the end of it. You know, my IDs were all in line with, with, with my gender. So um, I found out like three days later and I was devastated because I was thinking to myself, it just seemed like it went so well where, you know, I, I, I didn't understand why people were acting the way they were acting, but were they, were they really thinking things behind my back or whatever. But um, it took a while to kind of get over that. But I just realized, that, no, my experience was real. You know, um, the interactions that I had with the players on the other teams. Um, we're, we're real. Um, a number of teams, like, um, had said that they really um, they liked how we played. There was one team that, that had gotten beaten up by one of the powerhouses, and we beat them as well. And they were like, "We hate to lose, but man, those other teams—they were just beating up on us. And you guys, like, were nice. It's like if we had to lose to anybody, we wanted to. You know, it's great to lose to you. So, um, so it was a good experience, but you know it's the world that we live in and haters are going to hate and i think really when um, a team loses they look for there's this tendency to look for for um, excuses and to to, to put blame on, on something so um so all in all i think it was it was really a good experience um, a learning experience for sure and i'm looking forward to our team qualifying and going back if this pandemic can calm down a little bit
0: so just to make sure I understand, did anything come of that protest since your ID matched your gender?
3: No, it didn't. What I'm really worried about is, you know, the people who have problems with transgender inclusion are very vocal, and you know, it's pretty intimidating to have a federal judge write, write up this um, protest. And then I'm wondering, you know, are they going to try to contact National Senior Games Association and get the rules changed? You know, so, um nothing has come of it yet and um and hopefully nothing nothing will
0: and do you know of any other players like yourself who are in the uh, in the players association who might be endangered by a rules change?
3: Um, there's no as as far as like our group goes, um I'm the only trans woman who's who's ever played um, as far as nationals i I've been told there were other trans women that were there. Um, certainly there were trans women that competed in other sports. It's not just basketball. Um, so if the rules changed, yeah, it could definitely affect, it will affect some people.
0: As I often tell my college students, um, they are tomorrow's older generation. <laughs> people grow old, you know, they should be right. concerned about these kind of issues because someday it's going to be them.
3: Right. And the thing is, you know, with what's happening with the high school kids, it's like, it doesn't directly affect me, but it, but it's people like me. And that's where it really, really gets to you. Like, regardless of whatever the rules change, and if I couldn't play in competitive tournaments, I'm still welcome with the group of women that I play with. There's another group of women that I play with sometimes on Monday, right here in my hometown. And I'm still going to be able to do that. But just to, to know that you're a person who doesn't have the same freedom to go, um, in play as as other people, um, you know, is is kind of kind of breaks your heart a little bit. So we're all just kind of waiting to see what happens.
1: Joanne, what are your thoughts on what Julie had to go through, and in 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 a larger sense, what you're seeing across the country with now. You've got bills pending to ban trans participation in high school athletics in eight states currently. What's your thoughts on on all these particular things with an eye towards what Julie went through at that tournament?
2: Well, I mean, what Julie went through was a travesty in my mind. You know, the senior games are set up so that there are different divisions. That's what the pool play is all about. And I mean, I know I play on a 60 plus team and, you know, we're not that great. And so the pool play determines who we're going to play against in the tournament round. And, you know, and so we match up with people at our skill level. And so for anybody to be upset about, you know, Julie's team being in Division One, I mean, all the teams in Division One are terrific teams, and, and so the whole tournament is set up to be as in- inclusive as it possibly can be. Um, I, I just think we're going through a tough time in this country where, you know, the people, people with the loudest voices, um, with the narrowest views, are having their day, and um, but I also think, you know, Title IX is still in place and as long as that is not undermined then you know that that's that's going to carry the day at least maybe i'm being too optimistic but i i really believe that you know we just need to keep fighting we just need to keep this this issue in in the forefront really and and make sure that um our voices are heard as as much as you know the people who with the narrow views are heard what's your thoughts on on
1: the very people who've been trying to kill Title IX since 1972, now saying they want to defend Title IX with some of the lawsuits and actions they're putting together to stop trans athletes from from competing.
2: Well, I mean, Title IX, you know, you can't discriminate by gender in any way, in any federal program, or, I mean, it's pretty inclusive. I don't think it's going to work for them. I mean, I'm not a lawyer and I don't play one on TV, but it's an interesting argument, but I don't think it's going to work. I certainly hope not.
0: I've often said, this is not a political issue. This isn't politics. This is civil rights. And you as an Mm -hmm. author have, you know, covered the sport as uh, someone who has grown in terms of understanding not just lesbians, but women uh, who are Latinas, uh, people of uh, color. And now we're in an uh, issue where it's trans people who are in the crosshairs and trans women specifically. Um, it is interesting to me that uh, as an author, you sort of get to sit back and make a determination on you know, where things are. Do you see this as an issue that is long term or do you think this is something that we're going to get through in the next couple of years?
2: Well, I mean, you know, again, we're going through this time of backlash, I guess you could say, and I don't know how long a backlash can last. I mean, the feminist movement certainly, you know, experienced that. Susan Faludi's book, I think it was titled "Backlash," uh, or at least that was a subtitle. Um, you know, I mean, it's 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 something that, uh, I mean, I I guess I see history as progressive, it's a line that, and it's, and it's, and we're progressing, but it's not a straight line. I mean, when you look at it over decades, you see the progression, but there are going to be hurdles. There are going to be setbacks. And, um, uh, but I do think that we are continuing to move in the right direction. I mean, I think that um, Julie's experience is indicative of that. I mean you know they they weren't booted out of the tournament, you know they weren't they didn't have their medal taken away from them I mean, and it's you know I think we are on the right side of history. It's just going to take some time. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but um, I just really believe that there are enough people out there that are willing to fight for this um, and and you know help us get through it.
1: I mean, that's something we're all kind of hoping for, hoping for at this point. But wait, there's a sound that we
0: always hear whenever it's time for a break. When we come back, Carly asks Julie, what's it like inside the women's locker room for the first time as a trans basketball player? We'll be right back. And we're back in the transporter room with author... Joanne Lennon and basketball player Julie Woodbury, Carly.
1: Julie, tell me about the first time you walked on the court with Maine Senior Women's Basketball. What was it like? What was the experience?
3: It was a little bit nerve wracking, um, because i I blend in well in in life, um, in my in my work, and. I knew the way I play basketball is a little bit different than other women my age. And so I was, I was a little uncertain. Um, I had asked the coordinator if she could just keep it quiet. Um, just, I wanted to experience going to play um, without anyone knowing, um, at least the first, you know, first few times. And um, once we started playing, it was amazing. When I first, When I joined the group, I had gone full time right after my name change. um, It was in March and I joined the group like in October. And so everybody in my circle kind of knew me from before. And so there were pronoun mistakes and the name mistakes, but nobody really just knew me as Julie. And this group, that's all they knew is me as Julie. And it went really well the first time that I played. Um, I was really impressed with the quality um of, of the other athletes and um, and it was just so much different than playing with with guys and I was like oh my gosh this is this is what I've been missing my whole life so um it was it was nerve wracking at first but um the butterflies went away and, and had a lot of fun. What
1: was the biggest difference for you and in this case playing on an all women's team in a sense being in a woman's locker room what was the difference?
3: Ego Guys' egos are just annoying for the most part. I know I'm stereotyping a little bit, but you know um, the machismo. Um, I was very uncomfortable in, in a guy's locker room, and um, you know, with playing with women, and um, the vibe was just completely different. Um, women had a good sense of like what their what their skill. How, the women I played with had a good sense of what their skills were. And it wasn't like like when I would play with guys and pick up ball, this a guy might be horrible and think like he was like the best player on the court, and would just really just be annoying to play with. And I just didn't find that with the women um, players that I had started playing with. Basically, like I, it was surreal. We'd play a game, and then we would stop, and we would we would kind of catch up on life. What's going on? And like when I played with the guys, it was. Well, I was all business. So, I mean, maybe maybe those conversations were happening somewhere else, but I was all business. And um, and playing with, I mean, one thing that's really surreal for me is I could have people come up to me and talk to me and say, I remember you. I remember when you did this and this and that. And, and we played together for years and I wouldn't know who, who they were. Like, I didn't know anybody I really played with. I was just out there doing my thing kind of as an escape, um, a coping mechanism. and. I like knew almost everyone's name, like in two times playing when I was playing with this group. And I just, it's because I was kind of, I connected with them and I thought that was, was pretty awesome. Well, I'm glad you
1: mentioned that Julie, because I mean, I like yourself an athlete, but the one thing I haven't had the chance to do yet is plan on all women's team. I hope I can do that at some point this year, coronavirus permitting. So that meant, that meant a lot to me hearing that. So I kind of know what I look forward to. But another thing I want to know is, what does competing in sports now mean to
3: you post-transition? It's joyful. I mean, really, I'm, that I, that's the best description of it. Um, before when I played, I was just kind of driven. And I was a kamikaze on, on the court. Um, I just, I wasn't. I wasn't really happy. I mean, I guess that's really what it boils down to. I wasn't really happy before, even playing a game that I really, really love. Um, I wasn't happy, and so to be able to play now and to to feel um, to feel more in sync um, is is the biggest difference. And um, yeah, it's just that simple.
1: A quick follow up to that. Sure. Well, how do you answer people who say, you know, the only reason why you're doing this is because so you you're a mediocre male athlete and now you just want to be up on women. How do you answer to that?
3: Well. I wasn't a mediocre athlete. Um, pretty much when you transition um, medically, whatever, whatever you were as as an athlete, you're, you're going to to sort of. Stay at that level. Of course, with basketball, basketball selects for height. So my height is a little bit more of an advantage than it was before. But some things are different. Like before, I could take people off the dribble. I was I was quicker, and now I'm carrying around all all this extra bone and weight, and um, it's just not not quite so easy. So. No, I, you know, as much as I love basketball, playing with this group, basketball is secondary. Um, and like, I think, I think accusing a trans woman of like playing with this group, um, just for, to, so that you can dominate the competition would be like, we have, we have a, a great, great range of ages from, from some women are playing with us who are in their 20s to women who are over 70. So, you know, any 20-year-old woman is probably gonna have an advantage over a 70-year-old woman, clearly. But that's not what it's about. It's like when we play together, it's it's about, you know, encouraging each other. Like like how Joe plays, I love how Joe plays. And I'm gonna tell her when I think she does something wonderful. That's what it's what it's more about. When we go to nationals and playing at the top level, there are women that I'm going against who are bigger than me that have played professionally. So it's, my experience isn't, isn't that. And, you know, people who are going to look at me and and just say, well, that person's not a woman. Well, you're just not going to convince them, but there are, there are women who, who definitely have, um, aspects of their athleticism, um, that, that are the same as mine, you know, Did I answer your question? Yes, you did. Okay.
0: I thought you answered it perfectly. And I think that your struggle is everyone's struggle. You don't have to be a basketball player. You don't have to be the age that we are to experience the things you've experienced. There's an expression in the trans community that comes from car commercials. Your mileage may vary, (laughs) which just means everyone's transition story is different. There's no one cookie cutter way to transition. But what you've gone through, the obstacles you've overcome, the experiences you've uh, relayed here, we all can find a commonality in that. And I think the same is true of lesbians and of people of color in terms of facing people who may not be accepting and not knowing what kind of reception we're going to get. I want to shift to Joanne for a second about your book, Finding a Way to Play. I'm looking at Amazon and unfortunately I can't order it right now. It's out of stock. I'm really upset, but I put it in my um, cart. So I'm ready to order it when it comes in. You <laughs> talk about, you talk about the, the struggles that, you know, black and Native American faced that women over 50 faced like Julie, the mighty max of the seventies. Tell me about this perception that mostly men, but some women have, that women basketball players are all lesbians. It's not
2: true. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I still hear it today with the WNBA. A lot of people say, Well, they're all lesbians. And I I think that um historically probably more lesbians have gravitated to the game because it was one of the few places where they did feel accepted you know, they could form bonds with other people. Um, I think it's interesting in in our group, and I mean, and I write this in the senior chapter of my book, but, you know, it, our seniors, we come from, I guess you could say all walks of life. I mean, I don't think any of us would call ourselves housewives, certainly, but, um, you know, we all have had different experiences, but when we come together, you know, we're all the same. We're all accepting of each other. And and that question you were asking Julie about, you know, what does she say to critics who say she just wants to play so she can dominate the conversation, the, the competition? I think Julie plays for the same reason all of us over 50 play. And that is because we just want to keep playing. We don't want it to end. We love basketball. It's our passion. and And that's what binds us all together. Um, so, you know, for critics to say, well, you're this, you're that, um, it's, I don't, I, you know, to be honest, I in this day and age, why, I don't know why people would be critical anyway. Historically, people were critical because they were feeling threatened by the women's game. It's, it's such a popular game. Um, you know, as soon as people, really understand how women play they really dig it you know even in iowa where they played six on six it was more popular than boys basketball so you know there's always been people that have been threatened by the fact that women are doing the same thing that men are and and um you know that cuts into the male dominance and male thinking that you know i've cornered this market
1: Interesting, you brought up six on six because I I grew up in within the last some of the last generations who who played six on six ball in Iowa. I mean, I had friends I had friends just across the river from where I grew up in Nebraska who played six on six. It was great that that history also got out there. But looking at the research that you've done, and also the fact that not only did you write about it, you live in New England, so chances are pretty good you've seen UConn play more than a few times. What's your thoughts on the on seeing n b a champions such as the San Antonio Spurs and the Golden State Warriors of recent years who won essentially playing women's basketball
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean that's the thing about women's basketball you know the 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 game is is much more of a team oriented sport um I mean I grew up watching the Celtics and loving the Celtics and the Larry bird era um was was great because Larry Bird played team basketball. It's hard for me to watch the and most of the NBA these days because it is so, you know, one on one, and that machismo that you know Julie talked about is just so prevalent. Whereas the, you know, like you say, the teams that that fared the best are the ones who know how to play team basketball, which is what women's basketball was all about. I mean, you had to know how to. Play pass in that six-on-six six game because you can only take three dribbles.
1: Joanne, I'm going to put you on the spot
2: right now. Greatest women's player ever. Who you got? Uh-oh. <laughs> well, you know, everybody calls Diana Taurasi the goat. I really, I really think, you know, Elena Della Donna is the greatest player. I mean, she's, she's got it all in my mind. Um, she's been hampered by a lot of her injuries and Lyme disease and all that, but but she's the player that I really like to watch. And Sabrina Ionescu, I mean if you know, when we get to see her play in the WNBA, she may give them both a run for their money.
1: Well, Joanne, I'm gonna disagree with you.
2: Only because
1: I don't when I ask ask about greatest players ever for myself, I don't pick active players because they're still writing their book. I would take Show Miller number one with Lauren Jackson of Australia, a close second.
2: Yeah, well, I can't can't disagree with Cheryl Miller. That's for sure. Yeah, she was fun to watch. Joanne, I agree with you about Della Don, though. I mean,
0: I'm just so (laughs) inspired, not just by her performance, but her as a human being. The dedication she's shown to her sister, the humanity this woman exemplifies, the, the way she went out and played with herniated discs in her back. I'm. I just. I was in tears watching her play last season.
2: Yeah, she's something else. And I mean, it, her whole story. She's written a book, um, and just the the chapter about how she left UConn and why she left UConn is just inspiring. It really is.
0: So, Julie, same question. Who's your favorite player? Who's your inspiration in women's basketball?
3: Oh, I think Cheryl Miller is the best, no doubt. Is really really terrible about her injury, um, but yeah, we would we would be talking about her even more. Um, she's amazing, so yeah. And I just saw that that documentary on her. Um, yeah, she's awesome.
0: Before we started recording, I asked each of you if you have any science fiction or fantasy or Marvel interests. Julie, you said you were a fan of the Avengers movies. I
3: am. And Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite. Oh, those are
0: great. I love them. Which What's your favorite of those
3: movies? The first Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I had never even heard of them. I, I didn't even know there was a comic or anything. And um, and I was hooked. And I was just, I didn't even know that it was going to get um, kind of combined with the other Avengers movies. So I was just so psyched um, to see how it all came together. Um, so yeah
0: we're doing marvel as a theme week this week so we sort of had to ask that question and we're really glad that you're a fan joanne no slight against you i'll bet you read more <laughs> books than you see movies am i right
2: uh you are right <laughs> and i'm not a big science fiction fan for some reason but um actually there are a couple of science fiction movies that like i love the martian and um Oh, wasn't Way, 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 way back. 2001, a Space Odyssey, obviously. Oh, sure. It was a great sure.
0: movie. Well, I always tell my students, good writers read and good readers write. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is very true. That's true. This has been such a pleasure having both of you in the transporter room, talking basketball, talking hardwood, talking transition and acceptance. And we're just really excited for both of you. I hope that this whole thing passes soon and we can get you back on the court. Me too. Oh,
3: I hope so and too. Wanted, Thank you to so say, much. I wanted to say the reason, and Joe was so surprised that I asked her, but it really is, it boils down to the title of her book, Finding a Way to Play. And when I read that, I'm joining this group and everything that's going on with trans athletes right now across the country, it's like, oh my gosh, that resonated so strongly. It's like, because that's really all we're trying to do. Let's just find a way to play. I'm going to make this promise right now. Then when you guys have
1: the clinic again and the camps again, Julie, I'm going to drive up to Maine. I'll bring my yeah. sneakers and I want to get on the court. That sounds great. I'll watch and eat popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Dawn, we're still going to get you off the couch to do a 5k for this year's. End. I told you, you need a
0: crane. I, hey, I know where I can borrow a crane. Okay, but, but road Julie, trip, road trip to Maine, absolutely. We'll we'll stop by. We'll we'll pick up Joanne. We'll swing by. We'll okay. and we'll watch the two of you uh, play horse. <laughs> <laughs> I, have feeling, I have a feeling Julie's going to win that because of the
1: height advantage. But no, Julie Woodbury, thank you for joining us. Joanne Lennon, thank you for joining us. Thank you both for being here. This was a fun podcast to do. Well, thanks for having us.
0: It was great. Yeah, thanks. It was it was really awesome. I had a great time. Thanks again. We're setting coordinates for Maine. Beaming you back down. Just let us know if there's snow on the ground because, you know, it is only May. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Charlie, you did it again. You found two fabulous people who I had no idea were out there in the universe, and you brought them here into the transporter room so that our listeners could learn about them, and I could too. Well, I had a good teacher in digging out stories, namely Don ah. Ennis. <laughs> I am excited to uh, do two podcasts with you this week. If you haven't checked it out yet,
3: look for the
0: MCU Outsports podcast. Oh yes, that was a lot of fun. All the I gang, mean- all the gang, talking about our favorite LGBTQ sports heroes as Marvel superheroes oh yeah anytime you can geek out and talk sports i'm all for it and tomorrow on lgbt in the ring we've got brian bell talking more about the MCU. all this week on out sports so we'll see you next week thanks again carly
1: thanks don see you all next week and we'll do it again